in leadership and in life, you've got to learn to check your ego, your ability to check that and to lean into learning is what allows you to advance in self-awareness. It also allows you to understand your needs and to own your needs. If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential, but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life, but it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey, and that's what you're gonna get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm Becky Fleischer, your host. I've got all the warm and fuzzy feelings going on right now, and I have you guys to thank. Right before I recorded this, I realized that I hadn't looked at the reviews for the show in quite a while. So I took a little scroll through, and man, you guys, my heart is so blasted full right now. Your words in those little review boxes on Apple Podcasts are just so moving, and I appreciate them so much. I feel really horrible that it's taken me this long. I mean, we're on what, episode 24? I think, I'm not sure, but it's taken me this long to mention how much I appreciate you taking the time to leave a review. Mea culpa in a big way. Please, please forgive me. I bring it up today because I really, I want you to know that these reviews aren't just a nice little stroke to the ego, although one cannot deny how nice that feels, but really, truly, I appreciate the reviews because And I didn't know this before I got into podcasting on this side of the mic, but those reviews actually help other people find the show. You know, everything runs off of an algorithm these days. An Apple podcast is no different. And the more reviews you have, the more they pay attention to your show and they put your show in the recommended for you section on people's home screens. So when you leave a review, you're actually helping other people find the show. And for me, That's the most important thing about those reviews, and I will tell you why. For the past five months, I've been in Tara Moore's Playing Big Facilitators Training Program, which has been like a two-fold program with one part aimed at helping the people in the program, like myself, step into their own playing bigger. And the second part is aimed at training us and being able to support women and girls to play bigger in their own lives. It's been an incredible experience. And it led me to do some really deep work on defining my core values, which has been one of the most clarifying things I have ever done for myself, honestly. Sadly, I've never taken the time to really dig in and then dig out what my core values are. 
and I'm curious to hear if this is resonating with anyone, I never really even thought about my core values before I started taking this course. I really just lived with the default values that were given to me through my faith background, through my family of origin, through society. There are a lot of places we get values from, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. Those are good things. It's nice to have those values to help shape us as we're growing up and as we step into adulthood. So there's nothing wrong with leaning on those values. It's just when you start walking down your own path to the edge of becoming, you start to realize that there's not enough tread on your shoes to get you where you need to go. There are a few ways that this popped up and it popped up for me. And these are the ways that you can kind of know if you need to define your core values. If you don't trust your own discernment, if you aren't good at setting loving boundaries, if big life decisions are stressful or anxiety inducing, or worse, if there are moments, and I mean important moments, not just what do you want to watch on TV, but important moments in your life when you don't really even know what you want. Those are all just a few ways that life is telling you you need to do some core value work. In any case, defining my values has been so powerful for me, so much so that I'll be sharing a tool with all of you very, very soon that you can use to help define your own core values. So stay tuned for that. But I share all of this with you because two of my core values are growth and contribution. And back to the point of the reviews, your reviews help me with both of those core values. They help me grow because You show me where the show needs to go and what work I need to do to get it there. And those reviews are also telling me that what I'm putting into the world has some kind of value, that I'm contributing something worthwhile. And not only that, those reviews are helping other people find the show, which allows that contribution to spread even further and grow even further. So it's just kind of this amazing virtuous loop that just keeps hitting on my core values of growth and contribution with those reviews. So really, thank you so much. I mean this so very, very sincerely. Thank you so much for taking the time to write them. Their meaning goes so much deeper than maybe you initially realized. Now on to today's guest. I am so excited to bring this conversation to you that I had with my friend Jacqueline Wayland. Jacqueline is the founder and leadership growth strategist of Solutions Provided. She's been elevating her clients' potential to unlock their authentic leadership style for well over 20 years. Her whole goal is to help people understand themselves better so that they can productively engage with others, self-manage in highly fluid environments, kind of sounds like maybe what we're living in now, a highly fluid environment, and she helps people increase their awareness and connection to the moment at hand. She is an executive director on the John Maxwell team and a Live to Lead host and holds certifications in a number of validated assessment tools that she uses in her consulting and coaching sessions, one of which we're going to talk about today. I had the good fortune of meeting Jacqueline over a decade ago when I was a training consultant, and I reconnected with her last year on some exciting projects that are bringing together my background in leadership and personal development with my music. She is one of the funniest and most innovative people I know. To catch her wit and wisdom, you would usually have to be at a conference where she's giving a keynote address or facilitating a leadership retreat. But today, we're getting her here for free, right in our ears. 
We go all over the place in this conversation from how she guided her business through 2020, why we avoid risk, how we engage in self-talk that holds us back and limits our opportunities, how we deny our needs and how that leads to stress behavior and what that stress behavior looks like to other people, which is such an important thing to understand right now in the age of COVID when all of our stress behaviors are being triggered almost daily, if not hourly. And we talk about what we can do about that. There are so many good bits in this interview that I just can't wait to jump right in. So let's get right to it. Jacqueline, this is so exciting to have you on the show. I was trying to remember when it was that we first met. Do you remember? I think I might remember the moment. You know, Becky, I think the moment was in Savannah, Georgia, in the lobby of a hotel. Yes, it was. I couldn't remember <laughs> the town, but I knew it was in the South. That's so funny. Yeah, we were checking in and I don't know if we had talked or if we just introduced ourselves because we were both standing there, but it was like instant click and giggles. Yes, that's exactly what I remember. There are a few people in life where you meet them and you feel like, I've, I know this person. I mean, I know her. How do I know her? And we had never met before, but man, we did. We clicked right away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of a journey. It sure was. And then we ended up, I ended up working for you for a little bit of time. And I yeah, think, was that 2013? I think it was 2013. I think it was 2013 too. Yeah. It was, um, because I was looking at launching another company and mm -hmm. we were looking at doing work around maintaining your spin and attitude and choice. And you actually you did a version of a podcast back then. That's right. I was going to bring that up. That isn't it so funny how life comes full circle sometimes with, I was taking different packages of your keynote speeches and your training sessions that you had recorded. And I was repackaging them and trying to, we were thinking about turning it into a podcast, but really just repurposing the audio. So it's yeah. kind of crazy that now here we sit. I know. And I love that we've reconnected. And oh, yes you know, and had fun and had an opportunity to work together again. Yes. And we do always have so much fun. And we were, we were joking before we even started recording about how much fun we have. So this is going to be a great show. And I'm so excited for everybody to, to hear our conversation. And I hope that they get as many giggles as I know we're going to get out of this. Well, you know, Becky, the whole piece is it's about the range of emotion. Mm -hmm. And I think you and I both, we love giggles and that's always part of it. But there's also that piece that is that natural depth and recognition of the span of emotion that we carry within us. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of spans of emotion, so I know you've been a leadership consultant in the Fortune 500 space for over 20 years. So I'm curious to hear what your life was like before COVID, because I'm sure it looked very different from how it looks now. So kind of take us on a quick little before and after journey of the day in the life of Jacqueline Weiland when she's consulting in the virtual space versus what it looks like when you're in the real-time space. You know, I came home from a client in March of last year, and I think it was March ninth or something. And that was when we were talking about, oh, this COVID thing, should we hug goodbye? Should we this? Should we that? And then within a matter of a week, my pipeline in business had blown up. But pre-COVID, 
I was in hotels and on airplanes and speaking at conferences and traveling a great deal. And, you know, I had those high level statuses with hotels and airlines. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you were used to your shoulder hurting because you were dragging bags through the airport and, you know, you just knew how to get everything you needed in one bag and go. Because that was it. That was life. You just were in motion. And then within a week, the world changed. Yeah. And the word pivot and transform and agile and things that I talked about as a leadership consultant, all of a sudden became ever so present and real in my home office. So to answer your question... I flipped my business. And so instead of speaking in Las Vegas at a conference, it's speaking from my office virtually at a conference and doing coaches, coaching sessions on Zoom and leadership retreats via Zoom and different platforms. And it took, you know, in truth, it took us a good six months to get that to flip. Yeah, I bet. And I was going to say, did you have a moment where you where you had a panic where you thought, oh my gosh, is it all going to go up in smoke? Is it all going to just be gone for the whole year? Is this going to be salvageable? Like, did you have any moments of major doubt and major worry there? I can tell you what the moment was. The moment was, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And it, it was that piece of, because nothing was happening. And I don't think I'm alone in saying that. It was yeah. like, we were, you know, the world was in panic. We were in lockdown whether it was your mindset mentally, somewhat shock, whatever element of fear you chose to resonate with. Yeah. And there were some opportunities that came up. And it was, uh, you know, advertising opportunities, networking opportunities, um, having a booth at a virtual conference, different things like that. There were a series of things that I strategically decided to invest in. I got certified in some other tools. So, you know, I use Berkman as one of the assessment tools and mm -hmm. Lumina, and I got certified in Hogan and a couple of other things. So I spent the time very intentionally upskilling. There came a point to your original question. It was like, what are you going to do? And it was either you were going to choose to be in fear and just shut down and wait for things to happen, or you were going to go to the craps table and you were going to roll hard and it was either going to hit or you were going to go bust. Mm. And so there came a point and I told my team, I said, we're going to go roll hard and this is either going to come together or it's not. Which sounds exactly like you. I love the craps table uh, <laughs> metaphor. That's so perfectly, Jacqueline. Well, it, it's so perfect for the COVID-19 <laughs> years. And it is true, right? Like you're just got, you just kind of have to roll it you, and you have to roll yeah. with it and you have to roll hard. That's true. I mean, it's, you really have to kind of dig in and dig deep here right now to figure out how to get through this. One of the ways that I think is so powerful to get through it is through your company. Your company is solutions provided and your, I call it your mantra, but it's probably more appropriate to say slogan in the business world something that you say often that I have always loved and it resonates so very, very deeply is attitude and choice. So take us down the attitude and choice road for a minute and tell us what does that mean to you? 
Where did it come from? And how do you see it play out when you work with people, individuals for individual coaching, and then also for teams? Well, first of all, Becky, I love that you carry that around as a memory. And, and I have done many talks on attitude and choice. So here is, I guess, the legacy of attitude and choice. I will end talks with, you control two things in life, your attitude and the choices you make choose well. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it comes from the work that I've done for many, many years in realizing that we have a choice. Every morning when we wake up, we have a choice before we put our feet on the floor. How are we going to approach the day? And that's your attitude. It's, it's as simple as if you think you can, you can. And if you think you can't, well, Mm-hmm. That's probably true too. So there's a mindset that goes with attitude. And you'll remember this from our maintaining your spend days. There are only certain things you control or you can influence. Let's put it that way. The choices that you make around your finances, your health and wellness, your personal relationships, your professional skill set and relationships, your spirituality. All of those things roll into the whole person. And we have choices on all of those in some way. You know, we can live within a budget or we can overshoot our budget and live in financial stress. We can spend our time with people that don't make us feel good. Yeah. Or we can spend our time with people who feed us, you know, from a standpoint of our mindset and our energy and just how we show up professionally. You can be stuck or you can grow. You can leave a job that doesn't serve you. You can change careers. You can start a production studio. Yeah. You, you can do, you know, you can dare to have the courage to pivot at any time in your journey if you're willing to assume the risk that comes with the choice of the courage that you want to lean into. Yes, that is so true. And it's a lot about what we talk about here on this show. It's the leaning into the courage, choosing to lean into the courage. And where is that courage coming from? I talk a lot about, I have talked a lot about in this season so far, is really kind of getting deeper into your own inner wisdom. Yes. You know, really getting into that knowing, tapping into your own beliefs and your own value system. And certainly that are influenced and that are situated within culture and within religion and within society, of course. But moving from that heart first posture as opposed to a head first posture. And, you know, to me, being heart first means you really have to know yourself and you really have to have access to that inner wisdom. Yeah. So I know that you mentioned that you are certified in many different types of personality assessment tests that you do with your Fortune 500 companies, with your CEOs and your C suite leaders. And, You do that to help them understand their leadership styles, but how can those types of personality assessments, you know, how can they help us know about just more about ourselves, even if we're not a quote leader in our position of, of work, but just to help, um, help us tap into our own self-knowledge. How can they help us? Well, you know me well enough to know that first of all, I'm going to answer leader 
does not mean that you are a title leader. Leader is about having influence. And so I would suggest to you that everyone is a leader in some aspect of their life because they have the opportunity to influence and impact their life and others. Mm -hmm. And so then to the assessment question, how do those help? It's about self-awareness and connection. So when we're aware of ourselves, how we show up, how we're perceived or misperceived, and then an awareness of how we are connected to ourselves and others, how we engage and land on others, that all falls in the social emotional intelligence, mm-hmm, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that awareness of how I move forward with what I say is important to me. So when we go back to courage, our fear, why do we have those things? Why do we avoid risk? Mm -hmm. Why do we have self-talk that we beat ourselves up on? Or we lessen our opportunities with the conversation we have with ourselves? Because that's what we do, Becky. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll give you an example. One of the programs that I work with is Live to Lead, and that's under the John Maxwell umbrella, but it has speakers that come in and they're awesome speakers. And this year we had people like Alan Mulally, who had been CEO of Boeing and Ford and Kat Cole, who had been a COO. And we had Craig Garshaw and different speakers, and they were all awesome for different aspects. And I was working with a corporate team that I've worked with over a series of things, and we were doing adaptive leadership. And I promise I'm going to answer your question. One of the videos I wanted to show was Craig Goshaw, but he is a ministry leader. So he's done the big virtual online church and created massive online membership and things like that. And his message was perfect for what they wanted because we were talking about adaptive leadership and being agile and taking risk and seeing into the future. And you and I both know the world we're in and, you know, words matter and you can only say certain things and, you know, you can go down that road of what is appropriate, what's acceptable, what's offensive, what's not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I knew that I wanted Craig's talk involved in that for this group, because he had something really powerful that we could come together on and really learn from. But I took it off the original sheet. I thought, I'm not going to share it with him because he talks about God and he talks about Mm -hmm. church Mm -hmm. and he talks about spirituality. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to pull it off and I'll use something else to get to there. And then it came back up and I thought, you know, that's the perfect talk for where we're at in this journey of where I want to take this team. And I was not committed to showing the team that video talk until probably two hours before I showed it. I went back and forth. Mm. You know, we did it. The team was, they were like, oh my gosh, this was great. And I shared with them that journey that I'm sharing with you. And they said, you made the right call. Mm. And they said, but we also get why you were challenged by it. Yeah. And the learning was, and I said, guys, I want you to understand. I coach, I do leadership. I talk to you guys about courage and getting out of yourself and unlocking your potential and 
the power of head talk and how it can get in your way and what is the conversation you're having with yourself or the decisions you make for other people that you haven't even asked them the question of. I said, I get it. And I said, and this is a pure and simple, real example of me going through what I talked to you about. And so the reason that assessments help people is it helps elevate that awareness, regardless of what you do and who you serve and who you interact with. It elevates that awareness of self-understanding and it gives you an opportunity to be reflective and then also to think forward about how you want to shift and show up in your next journey or your continued path. Mm-hmm. Oh, there are a lot of things in that one. I would love to unpack where to begin. First off, I think that that story, it's such a great story about being unsure about that content, presenting that content. And the reason you were unsure, he talks about God and you don't want to be offensive. And is this going to make people feel excluded or marginalized? All of that is head chatter. It's all head buzzing and head chatter, head chatter. Your heart kept telling you because it kept coming back up, right? It did. It kept surfacing back up. So that's a heart knowing, like your heart is pulling you. This is what needs to be said. This is what people need to hear. And they will embrace or take from it the parts that resonate with them and hopefully respectfully leave the other pieces that don't serve them as much. But it's difficult to know always, ooh, how do I bring this up or should I bring this up in this way? And I think that's such a good example because I do think people get tripped up on the religion, bringing up God, and we're such a head-heavy society. We've become even more head-heavy, which I think is probably what leads to a lot of the divisiveness in the country. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, it's that you're just divorced from that heart piece. And so- Well, Becky, I'm going to pause and I'm going to say to you, part of my struggle as I was going through this, because I've worked in corporate for a really, really long time, either as a corporate employee or serving corporate as a consultant. And it was the awareness that I was struggling with sharing something because it mentioned God. Yeah. And I thought, how crazy is it that people will say the F word without hesitation? But when we think about saying God, we hesitate and we pause. You know, I think that the the word God has become such a loaded term. And and I'm and I'm I'm loving that we're diverting down this track because, you know, part of this season, you know, my last episode, I talk a lot about the power of contemplative practices and how, you know, in culture right now, the popular practices are meditation and yoga and mindfulness. And I think that it's easy. It's an easier point of entry for people, perhaps, because they feel secular, even though they're very much rooted Mm -hmm. in world wisdom traditions. They feel secular. They don't feel as loaded and heavy as these institutions of religion that have been perhaps um, weighed down with very human issues, for lack of a better phrase. I think that that religion has just become so loaded and, and sadly, 
the the God word has also become so associated with organized religion that people just kind of bristle. But when you use other words, the universe, the divine, however you want to say it, and I've used all these terms, it's just like a different, perhaps easier point of entry back into that conversation. I don't know, but I've kind of found that, that I feel that people are much more open to having conversations when it's about the universe and the energy of the world and, you know, the divine. Oh, they they absolutely are. And so we go back to this piece of what is your purpose? And, and you're right, people, they'll talk about energy work, they'll talk about, um, mindfulness in corporate now there's a lot of mindful moments in education you know they've taught the teachers to ring the bell and like redirect your focus but the truth is no matter what you call it it's the power of being present with yourself and hearing your intuitive voice yes and then having the confidence and courage to listen to your intuitive voice. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that is so, so true. And how that, how the tools that we can use and the tools that you employ, kind of going back to the you know point of what we were talking about before with the tools that you employ, they really do give you an awareness. They, they, it's almost like an aha, you know, and I can share and you know, because you uh, have my Berkman results. Yes. And we've been talking about that a lot recently since we've been working on a project together. And, you know, I remember when I first got those results back and I saw my, my usual style, but then I saw my needs and they're very heart-based needs, but my usual style is very head-based, very. So I come off as a very head-based person. So people would think those are my needs, mm-hmm. but they're not my needs. No. It's like my needs live in this little shadow and I allowed them to live in a shadow. Even I, I said this in one of my episodes, I bought my own blasted spin. You know, I was like, oh no, I don't, I don't really need to be heard. I don't need space for my emotions. I can just eat them and move on because that's rationally what makes sense in this situation. And I remember doing that Berkman for the first time and getting those results and there was part of me that like resisted it. Like, no, I don't really have those needs. Those are squishy and, you know, pathetic. And I don't need to be coddled or heard or have space for that or blah, blah, blah. I can just move forward and soldier through. But then kind of as I've evolved and I've gone on my own journey here, I kind of look back and I'm like, yep, yep. Maybe, maybe don't ignore those needs. So let's, let's talk about the needs. Let's talk about needs. Yeah. And what happens when uh, we, when we ignore those needs? Well, you made a great connect that our usual productive behavior is influenced again by our head and there's a drive of what we think others expect of us Mm -hmm. and it plays to our strengths. So there are those natural elements of we show up, it's our strengths, it's our natural ability. It's a blend of interest, what we're interested in. But our needs are the underlying, it's the soft under surface. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a blend of our expectations of others, our expectations of our environment, blended with beliefs, experiences, what we think, mm-hmm. what we don't say. And for many, they're unaware of what their needs are. Yeah. And this goes back to the awareness and connection to yourself and others. Yeah. I would say I was very unaware of my needs. I I totally had myself fooled. Yeah. And 
and a lot of us bury our needs. So I use a, an example when, you know, and if, if people want to do these assessments with us, we have ways for them to do that. But in the self-awareness, people are direct and they're indirect in their communication style. You will have heard terms like expressive or introvert, and then you will hear things like focused on task or focused on people. Mm-hmm. And just as you see those behaviors, that direct communication or that more suggestive communication or people who are very um, feel people oriented versus task, literal, get it done oriented, mm-hmm. Those needs fall into place and we can have needs on, we can have high thought needs where we need to pull away and live in our head for a little bit. We can be someone who's incredibly social, but we rejuvenate from within ourselves. And so we pull away from people and rejuvenate from within. Like, you know, the perfect weekend for someone like that is time alone our time with someone who really gets them and can go deep in conversation in a fulfilling way opposed to a confrontational way. Mm. Our needs can be that we need those one-on-one conversations where we feel respected and supported. We may need to talk things out. We may need to be able to focus on something for long periods of time, or we may need to have a lot of things going on and a lot of change. But the point is, is we all have different needs. And if we don't understand how they're uniquely packaged, it's hard for us to meet them. And when we don't meet those needs and we don't have words that people can hear around those, then we have stress. When you look at what has happened over the last 11 months with COVID, where people have gone from living their lives in an outwardly focused manner to being shut down and living your life in a much smaller scale, uh, some people have done well with that. Some people haven't. And also inward. I mean, it it, it was not only that it was your outside activities were so limited or that your daily routine got disrupted. It was that you really, people got pulled into themselves in this pandemic. And I think that that was a very uncomfortable feeling for a lot of people because we like to be busy. We're a very action oriented culture and society. And so to slow it down and to be kind of stuck with no one but yourself and those people who live in your house with you, that was a challenge. Well, you're confronted with truth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whether you want to deal with truth or not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're on constant, when you're on, <laughs> you know, the yeah. cycle and you're in motion, you can create a story that you want to tell yourself that fills the void. But when all of that goes up in smoke and all of a sudden, you're in your little world dealing with whatever you're dealing with, your narrative has to change. Yeah. And some people are really good about diving into a narrative and poking at it and growing with it. And other people are just disconnected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would suggest to you that there are people who have remained disconnected. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and have, they've gone through their day. It's all fine. It's all good. It's all this. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you ever water skied, but when you water ski, you look for a really good flat lake day and you're the one making all of the waves, you and the boat. And, you know, it's best if you're going to slalom when there's not a lot of chalk. Well, there's people who go through life and they really are just a one-dimensional conversationalist. They don't want to go deep. They talk about facts and they talk about data, but they're not going to talk about emotion and depth and consequence. And they're not going to lean into the curiosity Mm. of the questions that need to be asked beyond the sound bites that potentially manipulate one. Yeah. And the reason I bring this up, Becky, is it ties back to our needs. Because if people have that need to go deep, they also have a need to find people who can go deep with them. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have that, they don't have those types of relationships, there's a part that they feel very unfulfilled. Yeah. And that can feel lonely. And so I would not be surprised if there are a lot of people who in their search via Zoom and different things, they're seeking to fulfill a void. But if they're not looking for the right elements or the right characteristics or situations, they still feel that way at the end of the day. Mm. So true. So true. I've talked to people who have said, you know, if you don't come out of the other side of this thing changed, I don't, you know, I don't know what you did, or I don't think it's as easy as that for all the reasons you just said, because our nature for, for the majority of people, I would say, it's not your nature to proactively go pushing on that soft underbelly. No. If you start pushing and questioning things in your own life that start to feel a little um, pointed, like, ooh. That hurts a little bit. I might not want to know what's behind that. You know, people tend to leave it alone, especially if it's like, like you were saying, if it's a flat lake day, you're like, okay, I'm going to leave that alone. I don't need to create any waves over there. But it's that being able to go deeper and saying, wait a minute, you know, maybe I do need to dig in there a little bit before, you know, this becomes a bigger problem. And that self-awareness piece, like going back to those needs, it's so tricky with the needs and it's, I know that people are sitting there going, I know what I need. I know what I need. I'm not sure that we always do know what we need. And that's why I think these tests can be so helpful because they do reveal things about yourself that at first blush, you might reject and say, I don't really think that that's it. But when you actually allow yourself to sink into it, you start to resonate and and see the truth and see how it plays out in your life. And and you're saying the key thing, you have to be willing Mm -hmm. to allow yourself to unveil. Yes. I've done debriefs with people since the nineties. So, you know, while I say, oh, I've been doing this for 20 years, it's been a little longer. And it's always interesting. The people that will unveil and they will get into it. And then there's the people that you have a narrative with Mm -hmm. and the people that you have a narrative with, you know, it's you've debriefed their report and they kept you exactly where they wanted you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember years ago, this was a large company and 
I've learned a lot along the way, but I was debriefing with a senior executive and there was something in the report and it, it indicated that he was someone that would hold things in and he wouldn't share and he would just kind of block people off. Mm. And, you know, I, I made the comment when we were going through the debrief because I knew he was married. I said, I would imagine that this need and this stress behavior show up at home more than they show up at work. How'd that go over? Well, you know what? I ended up losing that account. And (laughs) oh no. So I'm going to say that I struck a chord. Wow. I'm going to say you did too. Struck a chord and, uh, and that was not something they wanted to hear. Oh, wow. And, um, but the point is, and you know, I, I hadn't thought of that for a long time until today, but the point is you have to be ready to grow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's also being willing to not hear everything as critical. And that's the ego part. Yeah. Yeah. In leadership and in life, you've got to learn to check your ego, your ability to check that and to lean into learning is what allows you to advance in Mm -hmm, self-awareness. It also allows you to understand your needs and to own your needs. And, you know, you and I share a need for, I will come across as an extrovert more than you will, but our rejuvenation is the same. We both enjoy pulling away, being alone, having that one-on-one time and rejuvenating from within because when we're with other people, our outward behavior is to give, entertain, effervesce. You know, it's like uncorking the champagne. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the rejuvenation is definitely just flat whiskey, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Or a nice smooth Cabernet. Uh, That also works. That also works. But it's that piece of people who have that high connect with people, they can't help themselves. You could be exhausted and have a couple people come in the room and all of a sudden you're on. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't serve you. You're serving others. No, I was going to say, and it also, it's interesting because for me, I have always felt like I've been torn. Like, am I an introvert or am I an extrovert? Because when I'm with people, I genuinely enjoy being with them and I enjoy the energy of the room and of the space. And, but when I really look at when I'm with people, I am most alive when I am in an environment where I'm contributing something, where I'm connecting with people in a meaningful way. So whether it's at a show and we're singing all the right songs, right? And everybody's into it and they love what we're playing and they love hearing every song or when you know, back in the day when I was a trainer, where we met at that uh, in Savannah, Georgia, when I was training, you know, if you're in a room and you're providing something that's a value to people and they're really getting it and I can see it's like clicking in and the lights are going on and, oh, they're making their own connections and they're really going to take this and use it. For me, I have found that's what really revs me up. And the more I have been diving into these last several months, really defining really uncovering first and then defining my core values, 
contribution is a really strong core value for me. I really value being helpful and contributing to whatever I'm part of. So if I'm in a group, especially where I'm contributing in some way, that's definitely going to light me up. Like that's going to really kind of set me on fire. If I'm in a group and I, I don't feel like I'm contributing and it's a really high energy group and there's a lot going on, that it, it drains me. So it's funny how you can look at these things and, and the more you know about yourself, because that's always confused me, the introvert and the extrovert. And I've never understood like, well, maybe I'm just an ambervert. Yeah, but you're both. I'm both. And it also matters what are you hitting on? Are you hitting a need? And are you hitting on a core value? It's all these different pieces of just knowing yourself help you understand how to optimize your experiences so that you're getting the most out of them and the people around you are getting the most out of Absolutely. them. Absolutely. And that's like... One plus one equals magic. It does. Right? It does. And yeah, you know, and you're hitting it. it we we say needs, but it's a part. It's your value, mm-hmm. and our mm-hmm. values are really challenging to untangle. They are, and yet it's when you have shared values, mm-hmm. you build trust, you build deeper connection, you build relationship. Just as when you have something in common. Mm-hmm. You know, and the only way we find that out is to have conversations. But if we don't know how we land on people and we're not putting our best foot forward to make those connections and to elevate those engagements with others, we're not going to expand our relationships the way we want to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the way that we best could. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about reactive stress behaviors and what they can look like, because that also was a big eye-opening piece for me when I first started engaging in this um, Berkman personality assessment work. It, It not only tells you kind of what your usual behavior is, it tells you what your needs are, but then it tells you when your needs aren't met, here is what you look like to other people. And that was totally fascinating to me because like you just said, how you're landing with other people, if we're not aware of that, it you will be totally baffled by their reaction to you. We think or we tell ourselves that people don't see our stress behavior or they don't know. And the truth is, is people experience you two ways. They experience your usual productive and they experience your reactive stress behavior. They have no clue what you need unless you know and tell them. And so we have used some buzzwords around reactive stress behavior. And the buzzwords are bark or bail, meaning there's the people who are assertive and aggressive and they're a little bit terse in their deliverable when they're under stress, very matter of fact, not so concerned Mm -hmm. about others' feelings, or we bail and they disappear. You're like, where did they go? (laughs) You know, and they're off thinking about something, but you're like, what happened to them? Where are they? And then there's the people that rehash when they're under stress. And in uh, the Burton world, this is the green need stress. And they're the ones who, when they have a problem, they want to talk about it. And they want to talk about it with the person they have the problem with because they really want resolution. But they want to be heard. And if they cannot get resolution with that person, then they're going to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And they might even have a little grudge. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Because they don't come to resolution. But if they can rehash it and be heard and resolve, then they're done. And then there's the people in that yellow space that are very fact-oriented. They like process and system. They resist. And they resist when they're under stress with rules and procedures and details and process. And they will stall decisions with wanting all of that data Mm -hmm. because they can. Mm. You know, and... And none of that is particularly productive and it lands on people wrong. So when you layer that with going against people's needs, if you've got someone who bails and you have someone who has needs for direct communication, they're struggling. If you've got someone who likes to rehash things and kind of gets a little bit dramatic other people are going to hear that as conflict or they're going to shut down. If you've got someone who barks, you know, they're just very matter of fact and abrupt. You're going to hear that as, oh, they don't like me or I'm going to hesitate to go to them unless I know how they're going to be. And so the challenge is, is when we're under stress behavior, we land on people's needs differently. And that is when we can most often cause conflict or create more distance in our relationships. Mm. And that is another area of awareness that people don't get. They don't get that when they show up that way, that it has um, remedial damage, right? you know, And that carries on and that becomes part of their brand. Now, some people are good at self-managing Becky and they may hold their stuff together until they get home. And then it all falls apart. Yeah. And then, (laughs) yes. And it all falls apart because, you know, it's like, well, we're home and they have to like me no matter what. And so then it unveils itself. And so the person who comes home and they don't talk to anyone for two hours because they're living in their head and they've been talking to people all day and they just need to rejuvenate Mm -hmm. or they just need time alone. So now we're going to go back to COVID. Think about the people who commuted. And so whether it was on the train, whether it was listening to music, whether it was in their car, listening, you know, to audible or whatever they had time to decompress and now our world has become very murky and blurred because you know you kind of can start your day really early your day can go late there's um there's not a lot of boundary going on right now yeah yeah and there's a really thin veil of holding it together and losing your stuff Yes, there is. Yeah. And, and I'm, I talk to enough people that I'm telling you, if I ask people how they are and I can on Zoom, you know, catch their eye and say, no, mm-hmm. how are you really? You can ask that, how are you really the second time and get their attention or come at it a different way the third time. And you can mm-hmm. almost evoke tears. Mm-hmm. And it's because people are holding their stuff together. They're worn out. There is lack of clarity or certainty. 
on what is in front of us. Yeah. And there's a fair amount of confusion. Yeah. yeah. It's been, it's been, uh, it's been an overwhelming year. I mean, we are almost to the year mark. And I think without question, this has triggered everyone's stress behavior and, you know, without question, needs are not being met just from basic needs for people who've lost their jobs and can't even, you know, provide for their family in the way that they used to, all the way to, well, you can't get your downtime to, you know, uh, rejuvenate yourself. So there's a whole spectrum of things that are going on here, and it is definitely triggering everyone in in different ways. So how, how can these tools or how can the knowledge from these tools, what do they do to help us when we know. So it's like, okay, we know we are in stress behavior. What the heck do we do about it? Well, we circle back where you and I started on attitude and choice. And it's the choice to dig in. And it's the choice to learn more about yourself and to increase your awareness. And the great thing about these tools is they have stress prescriptive pages. And so when we talk to people about stress and they say, you know, this is where we are, are we know that we have a team in stress. We can work with them on here's what you need to do. Here's some guiding principles you need to put in place. Here are some things that you need to do as just a daily call to action or a daily take care of you. And, you know, Becky, it's simple things. It's not. This is not over the top stuff. It can be send your agenda out the day before. Touch base with your people in the morning. Have a stand up every day where as the leader, you check in and say, you know, we're just going to do a five minute check in. Uh, Do something fun. It's the intention of and it's the showing up, choosing to show up real. You know, we use the word authentic. And Often, some people, you don't really want authenticity. (laughs) You know, you say you want it, but then when you get it, you're like, what do I do with that? There is a level of um, just acceptance, you know, like we don't always have to do anything with it. Sometimes it just has to sit there. And that's, we're not real comfortable with that, I would argue. No. We are not comfortable with that. So that is a problem with authenticity because when it does come really real to your doorstep and you're like, oh shit, I can see that completely, right? Like, wow. Then, you know, we feel so compelled <laughs> to to do, again, we're such a head heavy action oriented society. It's like, oh my gosh, I have to do something about that. I have to do something about that. And uh, you don't, you don't. You can see it and see it for real and what it is. And you can just, hold the space for it to be true. That's all, that's enough sometimes. So take that back to stress behavior though. Yeah. Because our stress behavior is authentic. Yeah, oh, for sure. It doesn't get more real than that, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's authentic. That's that's some real stuff. And yet when we get people's stress behavior, we don't like it. Right, Yeah. Or it makes us feel uncomfortable, which is what you're talking to. Yeah. And so then when people show up that way, because that's what's, that's their real. Yep. Then we either judge it or we avoid it. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so then let's go to that truth. 
So there's the, you show up with your usual productive. You've got your underlying needs. If your needs are met, you stay in usual. If your needs are not met, you go to reactive stress. And then there's the next level of that. How do people react to you when you're in stress? You know, do people, are, do they courageously come up and say, is there something mm. I can do to help you? You know, seems like things are a little bit tough today. Or do we avoid like, ooh, you know, they might yell at me. I don't think I'm going to go yeah. there. Yeah. And that's, you know, a lot of that, what you're saying right now about, you know, so much of that ties into what we talk about a lot on this show and something I hit on a couple of episodes ago where I, I pulled that Peter Drucker quote, you know, leadership is doing the right thing and management is doing things right. And now is the time to be the leader of our own lives. Oh, totally. And you said it earlier, which I loved your correction there about, you know, you don't have to have a title to be a leader. 100% agree. I, I think it is, we can be the leaders of our own life. And so even if we're not in a work quote team uh, or in some kind of organization that employs the Berkman where everybody knows each other's, you know, stress color, what may it be. I still think these tools are so helpful for us as we navigate the leadership of our own life and how we choose to either communicate our needs and or our stress behaviors to say, you know, once you're out of stress, maybe you could come out and say, listen, what you just saw from me was X, Y, Z and to help shed light on the people around you. And then also what you said about just being there to hold the space of someone else's stressful truth and not needing to do anything with it in that moment. Just hold the space. You don't need to fix it. Sometimes you just need to listen. It, it's the part of being present. And we've created all of these barriers that actually shut doors when we say we want to open doors and yeah. if we really want to open doors, then we need to allow people to show up as they are and to be heard and to allow them to explore what they really need because people have that wisdom within themselves. Yep. They know their truth and it is our ability to lead and to show up as someone who can help them unveil their truth. Mm. And if we would do that, which that takes a lot, but if we would do that, then we could really help people show up in a way that they have a hopeful attitude that they see the possibilities, that they have faith in what is to be, and they lean into that courage versus having fear and anger and losing hope. Yes, indeed. Ah, Jacqueline, this was so, so good. Tell everybody where they can find you on social or your website. And if they wanted to do a Berkman assessment, what's the best way to do that? Well, our website is solutionsprovided.com. On LinkedIn, I'm LinkedIn JK Wheeland, J-K-W-I-E-L-A-N-D. If you go to solutionsprovided.com, that will take you to all of those things and you can get on our list. And if they want to do an abutment assessment and have a coaching session, they can again go to the website and just contact us and reference your podcast. 
and we will create some type of special opportunity for them to do that. That is lovely. Well, I'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes as well so that it's simple and people can just click to get right to you. And thank you so much for spending all this time with me today. I love every minute I get with you always. And so this was an extra bonus. Well, right back at you, Becky. I always love talking to you and thank you for letting me be a guest. I would love to hear what you thought of today's show. Did you get something valuable from it? If so, don't keep it a secret. Tell your friends and family. I want everyone to unleash their soul song because the world needs all our beautiful music. I'd also really appreciate if you subscribe to the show on iTunes, rate and review. You may not realize it, but that's the best way to help other people find the show. I hope you'll come visit with me at theintuneexperience.com. While you're there, download your free copy of Intune Insights, designed to inspire you to unleash your soul song. I'd also love to hear from you on Instagram at Unleash Your Soul Song. Shoot me a message. Let me know. What'd you think about the show? Tell me what you want to hear about and what you're struggling with so that I can craft shows that provide you with insights, inspiration, and the tools you need to venture on your own personal journey. Listen, this world is busy. Our days are really full and life is super distracting. We're pulled in so many different directions every day. And so I thank you for joining me here today. Have a great week. You and me, you and me, he and she, he and she, next door neighbor, stranger down the street. Form a chain, form a chain, grab the clouds, grab the clouds, cause we haven't even touched our highest ground. No, we haven't even touched our highest ground. Unleash Your Soul Song is recorded and edited in 426 Studios, the music production company that I co-own. For more information about our music and our services, please visit www.four26studios.com. That's www.four26studios.com.